back to the Depressed Salesman podcast. I'm your host, Michael Massey, the Depressed Salesman. Thanks so much for joining us today. Just want to have another authentic conversation about the intersection of sales results and mental health and well-being. So if you've been following along with this podcast, uh, you know that my experience is uh, over 30 years in the selling profession and I'm also someone who has dealt with about a severe depression in my career someone who still continues to be challenged by uh, depression but luckily over the years I've figured out a number of different tools that have really helped me to manage that and uh, what I thought I would do today is basically do a bit of a recap of some of the things that I have learned so far in terms of uh, the different guests that we've had on the podcast. It's so interesting how even after years of having a particular role or a job to do in your life and you can still continue to learn and grow and and uh, improve upon uh, what you've always done. So that's what's been really intriguing to me about putting this podcast series together and a lot of the guests that we've had so far uh, I've found to be very thoughtful, insightful, uh, very open and genuine with uh, their perception on different tools that they've developed almost by happenstance in most cases uh, that have that have helped them manage some of the ups and downs of of the role uh, as a salesperson and uh, just in life generally. So I find it super helpful to learn these new tools for myself. And I think that it's something that uh, if we share with the world and we have more, you know, open, authentic conversations about how mental health and well-being has a direct impact on our ability to be successful or not and vice versa you know success definitely has an impact on on our mental stability so just taking you back sort of to the beginning uh for myself so you know i was i was someone in my field that uh was known as as a pretty competent uh sales professional and um I like to think that, you know, the companies that I worked with, uh, you know, over the time of my career found me to be one of the best in, in my market, uh, you know, in my field. And uh, I definitely gained a lot of tricks of the trade over the years. But uh, when I was diagnosed with severe depression, and when I had to overcome the challenge of that and find my way back to being healthy again, that process uh, really changed my career. And it changed my approach to my job, to my home life, to, to everything, really. Because it had to. I had to make changes in, in order to find success again. So, you know, for me... There was this many year process of beginning to understand the impact that my mental health had uh, on my results as a salesperson and how 
the results that I was measured by in my job had an impact on my mental health. So I started to really delve into that. And, uh, you know, the long and the short of where I ended up was I really rejigged the perception that I had of the job. And I ended up at the end of the day, kind of creating a new equation that would bring me sustainable success and results over the long term. And what that equation looked like was mental stability plus my unique genius, you know, my unique set of talents and strengths, the the things that separate me from everybody else that I competed against. And those two components put together into a measurable set of controllable inputs of my time that I could look at and improve or remove. You know, it was a way to kind of give me clarity about how I should spend my time and my efforts in order to generate a consistent, sustainable set of results that would always have me feeling like I was doing the best that I could. And the reason that I really started looking at this new equation was being forced to you know, getting myself back to health again and coming out of this depression that I found myself in, I I needed a new way of doing things. And, you know, my whole career, the focus had been on how many sales, you know, how many dollars, how, how many widgets every month, every year compared to last year, compared to the budget. And what I found was, I would experience a lot of pressure around trying to meet the targets. And when I started to pull that apart, I quickly began to realize that the targets, for the most part, were given to me. You know, you have a a level of management in the company that deals with the sales team and they are responsible for generating a certain amount of revenue for the company. And the budgets that get developed in terms of how the salespeople are paid based upon their results, you know, those are developed kind of at the higher level management as opposed to the sales team itself. And although you may have some input in your role as a salesperson, there's these overriding factors uh, from the company perspective, such as how much investment are they making in, in your particular territory? You know, what is the cost to operate uh, in your market? And they need a rate of return off of that investment of those costs that they make. There is, you know, different models and equations that they come up with in terms of 
possibilities of of revenue generation uh you know whether it's based on population or market share or what have you so i would get handed a set of numbers that became my goal and that set of numbers would have me feeling a lot of pressure throughout the year if I wasn't meeting those targets. And I began to realize that there's just hundreds of different variables that affect those numbers. You know, whether it was the price of oil or the exchange rate or the profitability model of my company or profitability model of our competition, you know, the the sell price of the product category. All of these things are completely out of my control as a salesperson. So the company I was working with at the time, thankfully, they became, became really interested in developing a process of sales and metrics around the inputs that my time would be used for throughout the year. So, you know, I really started to buy into this new way of thinking. And it's interesting because, you know, I no longer work with these guys, but, uh, you know, when I followed up with them with the new work that I'm doing myself with the depressed salesman, um, you know, the, the company buy-in from the sales team on this this new approach to selling and and you know really diving into the process and the metrics and the math uh, the buy-in on that from the sales team is less than 10%. You know, I I was probably one of two guys in the company that that really started to shift, you know, the focus of of what I would do throughout the year whereas most people you know, just wanted to be out selling. Like, I just, I don't want to be in my office. Like, I need to be in the field. I need to sell. And, you know, I found it interesting that, you know, if if I could show up prepared better than any of my competition and ready to deliver a usable piece of value to the market that I would have a lot more success than if I just showed up every day, you know, making the milk run and making my calls and, and trying to generate opportunities out of that. So what became a difference maker for me was accepting the comparables to my competitors you know, because I always looked at myself as a hard worker. I was dedicated. Um, I had a lot of experience in my field. Uh, I had a lot of knowledge. Uh, I knew the market really well. I had some really great relationships. Um, you know, I think that I'm intelligent. And so I started kind of coming up with this list of, you know, these variables that I think I bring to the table. And then I quickly realized that, you know, if you're looking at the typical list of why companies hire people, why companies 
build teams, why they promote people, why they fire people. You know, we come up with this list of of variables of experience and work ethic and aptitude and intelligence and um, relationships and you know reputation all, all of these things my competitors have all of those things as well and if that's the only thing that I'm focused on to separate myself from my competition with it's going to be an uphill battle because you know, is my relationship better than their relationship? In some cases, yes. But in some cases, their relationship's better than mine. So there had to be a different set of metrics that could be looked at that would determine whether or not sustainable success was available to me. So that's when I really started looking into um, some of the components that positive psychology teaches us. And, you know, one of the big components of that is the focus upon strengths or talents. It's the focus upon the good. Like, if we look at a definition of psychology, psychology is the scientific study of what is wrong with the human condition. How do we take people from negative eight and bring them back to zero? How do we make them normal again? Whereas positive psychology is the scientific study of what is right about the human condition. So how do we take people from zero, people that aren't struggling necessarily, and how do we bring them to infinite potential? their full potential realized? How, how do we help people get to a level that they never even thought was possible for themselves? So it becomes this focus on, you know, the positive, on what's going right, on what's working, on uh, what your strengths are um, as opposed to your weaknesses. What experiences do you have in your life, in your, in your role that strengthen you and fill you up with your power as opposed to weaken you and drain you of your power. So I became really focused on figuring out what was unique about me. You know, once I'd, once I'd recovered from the depression and I figured out a bunch of different tools that allowed me to sort of find and maintain as best I could a mental stability. So I had a lot less ups and downs uh, emotionally, you know, in terms of my well-being. I got myself healthier all around, physically, mentally, every component of it. And then the focus was put towards why am I different than those I compete against? What is it about me as an individual that stands out and is a competitive advantage because nobody else that I compete against has that particular makeup? And if I lean into that uniqueness of myself and I make that the focus of the approach that I take to the specific 
components of the role. Like there, there's a whole bunch of things as a salesperson that are required in order to be successful. You know, you, you need to prospect, you need to present, you need to close orders, you need to build relationships. There's, there's all of these things that you have to do as a salesperson, but I chose to start doing those things from the perspective of what made me unique and double down constantly on that set of strengths. And then I looked at the company I worked for and the product that I sold and constantly doubled down on the strengths that the company and the product offered and shifted the conversation away from what I'd always been fighting over till that point in my career, which was competing against the things that I wasn't as good at or my company or product wasn't as strong with. And that's what brought me sustainable success was beginning to have a shift in the focus and the understanding of how I would approach the whole thing every day. Okay, so I began to develop this equation. Like I said, mental stability plus my, my unique greatness plus a sustainable set of measurable inputs of my time. So that was kind of the last component of it. You know, I began to look at these required tasks, if you will, of a salesperson's role. And rather than focus on how many sales I was making, I began to focus on the process of how I sell anything. So moving from how many to how. And that started to give me a whole different set of questions that I could ask myself because I could look at sales that I'd made and I could pull them apart. And what I found was there was a group of people that would consistently be involved in a sale taking place. So if I spent more time with that particular group of people, I would have more sales. If I began to understand what I was doing when I was spending time with that group of people, why I was spending time with them, why they were spending time with me, and what we were accomplishing while we were spending that time together, I could now begin to figure out how I actually sell this stuff. So that became my focus. So, you know, as an example, like I worked in the, in the building industry for years. So part of this group of people that would bring me success were architects or interior designers. So it made sense to figure out how could I spend more time with more architects every single year? 
How could I meet more architects than I'd met the previous year? When I met those new architects, what was I talking to them about? What were we doing together? And why were we doing it? Because if I understood what was taking place while I was experiencing the new opportunity of meeting a new critical person, then I could begin to figure out how to improve that experience while I was meeting them in terms of my performance, right? So it became this systemized set of activities because once you figure out how you sell what you sell, like on an individual sale level, what steps have to take place in order for the sale to happen? Once you figure that out, there's really only two things that, that need to be consistently measured and looked at. I mean, there's a whole bunch of, of smaller subcategories of these two things, but the big line item is how do I meet more of these people every year? And how do I improve my performance in the experience of meeting these people while I'm in the meeting with this new opportunity? How do I improve my presentation, my presentation skills, my presentation delivery, uh, the questions that I ask, my, my ability to listen to what it is that they're, they're looking for? That's what I mean. There's a whole bunch of subcategories that come underneath those two big line items, but it basically becomes that simple of how do I meet more of these people and how do I improve my performance while I'm meeting these people? That was the light bulb, you know, just explosion for my career because what it allowed me to do was work less and sell more because the focused time that I was spending in terms of being able to have this measurable set of, of inputs that I could improve, uh, that was the critical components of making the sales happen. Okay, so, you know, I started to really notice both my clients and my competition and coworkers go to work every day and they do all this stuff. Like everybody's busy all the time. And most people, not most, but a lot of people are seemingly running around with their hair on fire. And it's just one emergency after another and they're just trying to get through the day. And so I found it interesting, like what are they so busy doing? And why is it that some days they get a million dollar sale or a hundred thousand dollar sale or whatever it is and most days they sell nothing or next to nothing so every day they're busy but in terms of the results that they're paid upon it isn't consistently happening every day why is that 
And what of all this stuff that they do actually generates the sale that they get paid on? That's what became so just, it, it was my total focus in terms of my role and in terms of trying to pass that information on to my client base and my coworkers because that's where all my success started to come from. Because what I quickly figured out is, okay, so all this stuff that I do every day that I'm running around with my hair on fire and all that stuff, okay? Well, this, this, and this, it does nothing to sell the product. Like zero, no help whatsoever. I can eliminate it. This, this, and this doesn't do anything to sell the product, but it's still a required part of the service or the customer relations of, of the role of being a salesperson. Okay, how can I mitigate that? How can I minimize it? How can I push this off to my customer service team? Or, you know, what can I do to educate my client differently so that they're not, they're not calling me with this question. They have the answer to that or they know where to get the answer to that. So it doesn't take up my time and pull it away from the core required components of making the sales happen. Okay. So it became this process of eliminate everything that doesn't help me sell. Uh, minimize everything that doesn't help me sell but is required in the job and then change the way that I present, the way that I um, carry out the, the required components of the job in terms of educating my client base and supporting my client base so that they could directly involve me in less experiences so they could directly involve me in less uh, consumption of my time to accomplish what they needed to accomplish, which, you know, indirectly helped me sell the product, but um, it would take up, take less of my time away from the critical things that I needed to do to actually drive the business forward. Okay, so that's kind of my whole thing. Like today, that's exactly what I do. I always work on my mental stability. I always work on my mental health and well-being. I'm trying to live a life, you know, more in the middle, less ups and downs, generally speaking. Uh, and there's a whole bunch of stuff that, that went into helping me to, to figure out how to do that. And then it was really leaning into my strengths and my uniqueness and then really coming up with a systemized process of inputs of my time throughout the year that actually drove the results that I could measure and improve or eliminate as I went along. So those were the big things that I was after consistently. And, uh, you know, so just two quick ones um, from me in terms of that mental stability component. So, uh, you know, sobriety was a massive one to me. You know, as somebody struggling with depression, 
it didn't make sense to me to continue to put depressants in my body, so I stopped. And understanding the power of my thoughts. So how positive is my mind? How optimistic are the thoughts going through my mind? And how consistent can I be in noticing that my thoughts aren't positive? You know, I'm not doing great today. I need to recognize that and I need to shift that. So in the moment, how do I come up with with a tool that will help me to do that? So I figured this out uh, again through a lot of the study that I did in positive psychology and mindset and understanding that I can actually change what my experience is based on the thoughts that I'm having. And there's a whole bunch of science behind this. Uh, Carol Dweck is, is probably the foremost authority on mindset in the world. Uh, but she has a ton of experiments that, that will back up what I'm going to say. But it's almost tricking yourself to become more optimistic. And I would find it um, useful to me when I was struggling to go into what I thought was going to be a really difficult meeting. You know, maybe I'm going to have to fire an account or maybe they're going to fire me or, you know, we have some possibly relationship severing problem that needs to be dealt with. And so I would really struggle leading up to that meeting, like for days. And uh, so I started, I took this information from from Dweck and some of the, the studies that she'd done on mindset. And I was driving to a meeting one day and uh, I, I was just going nuts in my head, like totally stressed out, totally negative, you know, procrastinating. I don't want to do this. It's going to be terrible. And I stopped the car. I got out. I went for a five minute walk and I focused on three things and three things only. I thought about the birth of my children, the first day they were born, like great detail when I first held them, what they smelled like, what the room was like, what, what my wife and I were saying to each other, what the nurses said to me, um, like just that experience and trying to re-experience the emotion of that moment. I then thought about the greatest vacations I'd ever been on in my life and I thought about the funniest experience that I'd, I'd ever been involved in and this subtle shift in my mind allowed me to affect and increase my optimism levels it took me out of the stress state out of the negative and into the positive and I would go into these meetings and I would perform at my best even though it was difficult, stressful circumstances. But I wasn't feeling stressed because I'd improved my optimism levels. I'd improved my perspective, my mindset. And it would dramatically affect the results 
of what in the past would have been a horrible experience in a potential relationship severing meeting. So that's that's a direct tool that that uh, that helped me in terms of my mindset, my mental stability. So, uh, you know, I think that we've come up with a number of other tools here through the series of this podcast from some of our guests, which have also affected other people's mental stability. You know, I go back to our first episode with Gregory Cook in Focus uh, Corporate Environments and you know, he, he had two things that he he does regularly that he couldn't even tie together with affecting his mental stability. But they did. When we talked about them, he began to realize the importance of these tools. So one thing was he's constantly connecting. Like he, he'd get back in the car after a, a sales call and he's picking up the phone right away and he's connecting with somebody and he's doing that on a regular basis and without even realizing the positive effect that that had on his state of mind it was just a habit that he developed over his career but when he came out of difficult meetings when he came out of positive meetings whatever it was he'd pick up the phone and connect with somebody it's a great tool to add to your repertoire if, if you don't do it regularly. Because as an aside, um, you know, the longest study that's ever existed on happiness, the Harvard study of men, something that you should look into if, if you haven't, uh, it's still going on today. But meaningful connection is the only factor that can scientifically be proven to separate people that have a life well lived full of happiness and those that don't. All of the other variables are irrelevant at the end of the day. So that was one critical tool from Greg. And the other was his thought of that kind of on the other side of the door is you know, the next step of my day is the difficult thing that I have to do. And he would stop himself, take a deep breath, try and change his mindset and open the door and say, hello, happy family. And just the act of doing that, of thinking that changed the experience that he had because he changed the state of mind that he found himself in. So... You know, there's there's a couple of things right there, uh, coupled with the couple of things that I've done for myself. So there's four tools that can affect your mental stability uh, in your life. Sobriety, uh, it's not for everyone, but it can definitely eliminate some of the swings and the up and downs that people have. I'll tell you that from my own experience. Uh, you know, finding ways to affect your optimism levels your your state of mind um you know my trick with the three things that i think about on a five minute walk uh greg's connection constantly reaching out and connecting to people and the other side of the door is the difficult part of my day 
How am I going to stop and change my mindset so when I open that door and walk through it, it's not going to be as difficult as it is if I'm sitting here feeling stressed and negative about it. So there's four tools right there that I think we've come up with. Uh, we got a whole bunch more that we're going to talk about in the next episode of the Depressed Salesman podcast. Hopefully you'll catch up with us again next week for that. Uh, just want to remind you, as always, the Depressed Salesman podcast is brought to you by the Depressed Salesman Academy, which you can find online at thedepressedsalesman.com. And you'll find our online course, which really lays out this equation that I'm trying to explain to you here. But in greater detail, uh, you know, we're going to help you to understand how you can create more mental stability. We're going to help you to identify your unique greatness, your set of strengths and talents, how to leverage those to have more success in your role as a salesperson. And then we're going to we're going to give you more equations that allow you to systemize the inputs of your time throughout the year so that you can generate sustainable success in the future. So again, catch us the next time on the next episode of the Depressed Salesman Podcast. Take care.